Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. My name is Sean Trotar, Sandy Clough on my left. Andrew Detmer in the booth today. Danny Bailey is uh, put down celebrating at the uh, parade today where I suspect many of you were. And uh, it, it, these, these parades are kind of funny, Sandy, because there are players, uh, many players that you'll run into that you'll, you'll talk to. Uh, Jared Bednar mentioned it actually last year that the championship for the Stanley Cup last year did not really hit home for him until he got to Civic Center Park. And then it seemed really, truly real. I think for the Nuggets, uh, winning at home, I think, changes things a little bit as well. And maybe it's a little bit different, but at the same time, you're used to playing in front of seventeen to 20,000 people in Ball Arena, not 300,000 people. And, and that is a, an overwhelming scenario for, for players, for coaches, for everybody to have that kind of celebration uh, for these players, obviously. Um, a huge moment and a once-in-a-lifetime moment, and uh, thus far at least, a once-in-a-lifetime moment for long-suffering Nuggets fans as well. Yes, there's nothing like the first time. And even the Broncos in 1977 got a parade of sorts when they lost because they had made the Super Bowl in their first playoff appearance. Uh, There was magic uh, in the city, and uh, I don't know that we'll ever again see that kind of reaction to a team that got to the pinnacle and didn't win. But you're right. uh, It made a difference, I think, if you're looking back on the three avalanche parades we've seen, that in 2001, there was a little more to it. I think more drama because it was the end for Ray Bork and the beginning of the end, if not the end itself, for some of the great stars on the team. Yes. And it was unlikely that the Avalanche would get back into that sort of position the next year, the year after. The window was closing, if not entirely closed. Bork was retiring. Uh, Wah was near the end. Uh, Rob Blake would remain here, and there were a few free agents the Avalanche were able to keep at the time that they weren't able to keep after the lockout that wiped out the 0405 season. But and the, uh, this feels like more like of the beginning of something than the end of something. And uh, people are celebrating that, I think, today as much as anything. Uh, obviously, as uh, the Nuggets themselves have indicated, from players to coaches to general managers to owners, uh, you, you can never be sure of anything in sports. But when you break down this roster, uh, you see that virtually everyone of significance will be coming back next year with the possible exception of Bruce Brown. Right. And that's it. More likely than not that he won't simply because you're talking about a a guy that has the ability to get probably more than double uh, his existing deal. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to turn down. Potential free agents, of which Brown is one. He's not unrestricted free agent in the sense that he has a player option. He could come back. And he could accept a raise, but it would have to be a fairly modest raise under the terms of the collective bargaining agreement. And Bruce Brown 
next year would be scheduled to make $6.8 million. He could make a little more than that uh, if he stays here, but not much more than that. And let's be clear that there are only five Nuggets who next year are scheduled to make more money than that. So it $6.8 million is still not Hopper's money. No. That's, that's certainly a good not. deal. But only Jokic, Murray, Porter, Gordon, KCP are scheduled to make more uh, next year. Uh, Najee is at $4.3 million for next year. Uh, Christian Brown, just slightly below $3 million. Uh, Chanchar at $2.23 million. And Watson at $2.3 million uh, for next year. Uh, the UFAs are Ish Smith, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, Thomas Bryant, Reggie Jackson. Uh, only Jackson makes under $1.97 million. Uh, I would be surprised if any of those people uh, come back next year, although Green has said uh, that he wants to come back. And certainly Smith, Jordan, Bryant, and Jackson played roles, um, certainly in the NBA Finals during practice sessions, uh, doing a pretty good job uh, mimicking what the Miami Heat did. And obviously that worked. It helped the starters. It helped the, the rotation guys. Um, and none of those guys, uh, even including Green in Game 5, played all that much. But they were contributors. And yet, unrestricted free agents, though they are, they'll always have the championship rings from 2023. Uh, yeah, and they'll take Even if in. they never play another game for them. Yeah. And you'll take that into free agency as well, of course. It, it, there is a premium. The truth of the matter is when you have the opportunity to shop your wares around when you are a champion, that gives you uh, an edge over yeah. a lot of your competitors because you can at least say that you can go into that uh, that locker room and, and, and you can you know run in all and those I, things. I so. think with the Heat and the Nuggets, you saw examples of players who didn't really play a lot but were valued locker room guys and had fairly substantial contributions to make off the court during practice sessions, uh, calm, stabilizing people. And when the Heat had that guy in Udonis Haslam and the Nuggets had those guys and maybe the guy closest to Haslam might be somebody like Jeff Green, although Jeff Green played a lot more than Haslam did in this series. And maybe the other free agents are more like Haslam, but there there is value in that. The Miami Heat haven't been playing Adonis Haslam for years, and yet they still make sure he stays around. He's 42 years old. He's retiring, of course, but he stayed around. And I, I have to go back and look to see the last time he played substantial minutes. But it's there's several obviously, years. when you're talking about a, a team run by Eric Spolstra's coach and Pat Riley as GM, there's a reason that he's there. If they thought that there was an upgrade to be had, they would take it. And and these guys aren't Bill Winnington types whose chief contributions seem to be waving towels right. from the bench. I mean, these guys aren't about that sort of thing. They're more than just extra cheerleaders. Yes, absolutely. Teams have cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. They pay them. <laughs> They're yeah, professionals. Right, right. They don't need the players. They also don't to cost $2.2 $2 million dollars in general. Right. The whole squad, uh, usually, that's not the case. So, for for the Nuggets, you know, you can look at the at the idea of how this will go going forward, and it will be fascinating to see. I mean, obviously, it's pretty remarkable. But this is, you know, 56 seasons for long-suffering Nuggets fans. And, yeah, you'll hear the 47. is. It, it strikes me every time I hear it, Sandy, that what you said uh, last week, 
that the the NBA still has it out for the ABA. The Denver Nuggets are the second team besides the Spurs of the former ABA to win a title. And all you have here is 47 years, 47 years. Well, not if you've been in Denver. It's 56 seasons. Well, sure. Because the ABA was real and it counted. And there, I think, is another part of it. You know, the, the Broncos and Denver, for a long time, especially when they won their first Super Bowl, the idea was the city and, and, and have grown together, the team has grown together, and that's all true. The Nuggets are not that far behind. The Broncos debuted in 1960, the Nuggets in 1968. And 67, 68. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 67, right. 68. So 67, 68 season. The, the idea that these two teams, maybe more so than the Avalanche, they came in as members, charter members of renegade leagues because Denver was considered one of those cities that the, the big leagues wouldn't touch. The NFL and the NBA, they're not coming to Denver. Okay, well, they had to be part of a group that started their own. And the only team it means a little bit more that way to me. The only team in town that did not at least indirectly come from a renegade league is the Rockies. The Rockies. Because the Quebec Nordiques correct. played many years in the World Hockey oh, Association. NHL, that's correct. Absolutely. And later, of course, became the Avalanche uh, after what, 15 years thereabouts in the National Hockey League. But technically, if you go back through the history of this franchise, correct. there are the WHA years mm-hmm. for the Quebec Nordiques. So really the only team that was admitted into the sport the where there's never really, apart yeah. from some talk about the Continental uh, Baseball League that Denver was to be a part of, uh, in the early 1960s that forced Major League Baseball to expand because they didn't want the competition. Uh, Major League Baseball has never had serious competition. Uh, the NFL competition with the AFL wasn't serious at the outset, but it became serious, and that's what you need to have a merger. The other league has to be serious, and there has to be a sense that maybe not right away, but when there are championship contests, played between teams from the old league and the new league, that the new league has a shot. And I thought the NBA was rather intent on making sure, at least in the early years after the merger, that ABA teams did not win championships, especially when they were playing old line NBA franchises. And even people like John Vanek, who was a referee in the ABA. In fact, he was one of the referees in the last game of the ABA. He considered himself an NBA official and was involved in at least one game that clearly involved, to my way of thinking, I've watched the game a thousand times, skullduggery on the part of John Vanek in particular. And I think I mentioned Paul Mahalik a few weeks ago in that regard. Mahalik officiated the game I'm talking about. But it was Vanek who screwed the San Antonio Spurs. The the, the connections in Denver sports actually kind of funny. We'll get into the weeds just a little bit here. But uh, the Spurs, the first ABA team to win a title in the NBA, the Nuggets, the second, of course. There was there was at one point you talked about, by the way, the Quebec Nordiques when they were in the old WHA. Well, yep. for for a, a time they overlapped with another Spurs team that played in Denver. That would be the Denver Spurs of the WHA that played at the old Denver uh, Coliseum way back and left in the, in the day. middle of the night, left in the middle of the night time. to finish the year as the Ottawa civics in yeah. the 75, uh, right. 76 right. season. But 
at, at a time, the Spurs and the Nordiques were in the Canadian division of the WHA together. I mean, there was an overlap, and of course, the Nordiques eventually become the Avs, small world at, at, at that time. But yes. the 60s yeah. and 70s sports, especially in Denver, with the growth of the Denver market, uh, happened sort of in in spurts. And it's fascinating to, to, to look at this, and I think for the Nuggets, for a lot of fans here, and there are a, a lot, not as many fans, I think, in Denver that go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, you no, have but to, there are some. You have to been around in there Denver some. a while. Uh, my my father's one of them, uh, yeah. and remembering that from the very beginning is is pretty special because those ABA years uh, were a, a lot of fun for those who. And look, I think the ABA doesn't matter. The the two featured things from the ABA was featuring the slam dunk as an actual play, not considered a uh, sort of bad form as it was at one point in the NBA, and the three point shot. Are there any two things that define the NBA's mm-hmm. game today? More than those two. Yeah. The NBA didn't didn't just absorb the ABA. It became the ABA. Uh, took a while, but it did. And, and that's what's confusing about occasional examples of the NBA still thumbing its nose at the ABA, whether it's uh, uh, documentary projects or uh, it, it just, it, you know, silly things about it. Just absorbing and fully acknowledging ABA culture. And we saw a little bit of that in the NBA finals this year, because the move for the NBA would have been to invite all the living players from the 75, 76 team that made it to the ABA finals and lost to the New York Nets in six games, uh, losing the final game in Uniondale, New York. Uh, the Nassau Veterans Morrow Coliseum, which is famous more for housing uh, a dynasty team in the early 80s called the New York Islanders. But I guarantee you in 76, though the Islanders were beginning to rise at that point, the best show at the Nassau Veterans Coliseum was put on by Julia Serving and the New York Nets, coached by Kevin Lockery at the time. They had a player coach assistant. And Bill Melchioni, and of course, the Nuggets are coached by Larry Brown with Doug Moe as his chief assistant coach. Um, if you go back and find on YouTube the tape of that game, you'll find Larry in the uh, classic bell bottoms with the, uh, with the suspenders and Doug dressed in some awful-looking colored shirt. That defines otherwise sort of defined Doug, uh, who, who actually, by that time was dressing reasonably well. He would become increasingly more casual as the years went on till he spent his final uh, year in Philadelphia, at least part of a year. And he was uh, uh, able to uh, get into a clothing deal. And um, I think the 76ers went 19 and 37 that year, but Doug looked good on the bench for the first, uh, first time. And, but and yes, but those were the ABA days at the end and yes the ABA only had seven teams at the end the rest of the teams in the league that were part of it originally it folded but uh, the teams at the top the final four teams were the Nets the Spurs the Colonels and the Nuggets and three of those four teams made it the NBA and the Colonels were ABA champions in the second to last year of the ABA. So 
all four of those teams, in my view, were better than the final four teams in the NBA playoffs in the spring of 1976. The culture for the Nuggets, and you know, we know that as this uh, as we're on, we realize that the uh, uh, the parade is ongoing, obviously, and and people are enjoying the the festivities. I, I get that; it's sort of a whole celebration day. But you, you bring up Doug Moe, and you think of the history of the Denver Nuggets and the times they had gotten the closest. And yes, you know, I think more modern fans think of 2009. But the, the Nuggets in the late 70s and during the 80s, especially when they had that tremendous core, uh, you'll find those jerseys in the rafters, uh, that overlapped a little bit from uh, David Thompson to Dan Issel to Alex English, uh, and then the the trades, you know, with Kiki Vandaway and Calvin Natt, uh, bring a fat lever, bringing in that tremendous core, T.R. Dunn, Mike Evans, a a lot of tremendous talent on those teams. Uh, Bill Hanslick, part of those, uh, is a a window in the 80s as well. Uh, You you had a shot block on Wayne Cooper. You you had a lot of very talented Nuggets teams that, uh, were they not unfortunate enough to existing at the same time as the Showtime Lakers, uh, led, of course, by one now vanquished GM, Pat Riley, of the Miami Heat. The Nuggets might have won this before, but that's the way it goes. And I think for Nuggets fans who can think all the way back into there, when they can make the argument, they might have had the second best team in the NBA. The problem was the first that uh, the best team in the NBA well, happened to be in their conference, and it was ahead of them. But uh, I, so no question in my mind. It shows that these windows are very, they can be small. That in 1985, uh, when the Nuggets made the Western Conference Finals, uh, for only the second time as an NBA franchise, uh, making the Western Conference Finals and facing the Lakers. Uh, they split the first two games They out in Los Angeles, the form in Los Angeles, and uh, actually they won the second game by a bigger margin than the Lakers won the first game. Uh, the third game was a blowout uh, here in Denver, uh, but the fourth game, if not for a broken thumb, that was... Uh, sustained by Alex English, who already had some thumb soreness and was struck by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's elbow, broke the thumb. Uh, Alex had 28 points in the first half of Game 4, and the Nuggets were right in the game. Uh, Miraculously enough, in what may have been their finest hour, actually, even without Alex and with Calvin Natt nursing a sore knee and assorted other bumps and bruises, uh, the Lakers are the much healthier of the two teams. Uh, the Nuggets took the aim right down to the wire, and it took a James Worthy stick back, which is about the fourth or fifth attempt uh, because the Nuggets were so small at that point on the boards, uh, to win the game. Otherwise, the Nuggets might well have taken game four. Now, they would have lost the series because there were so many people out or at least compromised by then that the Lakers certainly would have won uh, game five, much as they did 153-109, to 109, and... Had there been a six game, they back here in Denver, the Lakers would would have certainly won that game. But if the Nuggets had had a healthy team, and remember coming into the series, uh, Fat Lever was injured and did not play in game one or game two of that series and was not really himself during the course of that series. With better injury luck, uh, I don't know that the Nuggets would have beaten the Lakers, and even if they had, the Boston Celtics were the defending champions and would have had home court advantage and they had some guy who was in the midst of uh, winning three MVP awards in succession. Yeah. Uh, I think he wore number 33, and he was pretty good. Um, they had the big three, of course, with Bird, McHale, and Parrish. They probably would have beaten the Nuggets in 1985. However, in 1988, uh, the Nuggets actually won more games than they did in 85. Uh, 
they lost in the conference semifinals to Dallas because uh, Fat Lever got hurt and Jay Vincent got hurt, uh, two of their leading scorers, and they ended up losing to Dallas. But no less an authority than Chick Hearn uh, was on uh, a talk show I hosted at the time at a different radio station. And Chick Hearn made no bones publicly in saying on that show that the two best teams in basketball that year were the Lakers and the Nuggets. The Nuggets had beaten the Lakers that year in the season series three games out of five. And it was Chick Hearn's opinion that the Nuggets would have beaten them with a healthy team had they reached the Western Conference Finals, much as Houston beat the Lakers unexpectedly in 1986. He thought the Denver Nuggets were the best team in the league. They find a way to get it done, of course, this time around, and Denver gets to celebrate. We want to hear your stories, by the way. Uh, 303-831-1340 is the call or text line. Uh, You can reach out and talk to us about it as well as the Nuggets celebrate their first ever title. Colorado celebrates as well, and we will take a look back at all of it right here on My Life Sports. is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. We want to hear your uh, stories today about the uh, the parade, what you're enjoying about this Nuggets run. The number here is 303-831-1340. If you've been out there, even if you haven't, let us know. But if you have been out there and you've been, say, uh, imbibing, okay, that's cool. Call a cab. Call a Uber, call a friend, don't call us. <laughs> well, you can save that for somewhere else. But 303-831-1340 is the, the number. And uh, this this these parades and the nature of them, I'm not a parade guy. And that's, I, I'll really admit, that's because I've come from a pretty teeny tiny part of Colorado. And that's just too many people for me. I, I can deal with a certain amount of crowds. And when we're talking uh, the over- you know, we're, we're talking a Indy 500 level crowds. Uh, mm, no, once 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 we're getting over one, I'm I'm getting uncomfortable. Once it's in the twos, uh, I'm out. But uh, I, it it can kind of be overwhelming. And I, I always reflect on these, Sandy. And I have times where I talk with people, and I'm sure you have over the course of your career too, so many more times than I have. That uh, people ask, you know, well, geez, it's it's just sports, just games. And I'm like, yeah, well, you're right. It is. In in the end, it is. It is, uh, it is entertainment, and it is in many times the case uh, frivolous, but there are times like this when a community, and, and even more now where we, we're in a time where it is more difficult to create community than it seemingly has ever been in my lifetime, that you have one of the rare things that can pull a community together. And that, more than just about anything else, is what makes sports rewarding. And so these kind of days... These moments are really, really special. Yes, and sports is able to do that. And a a team like the Nuggets, that is Denver's own, uh, not a team moved from another 
uh, location, uh, granted expansion status, anything like that. I mean, they were part of the formation of a new league in 1967. And they came to the NBA as one of the few surviving ABA teams as uh, part of a merger agreement that Carl Shear helped to engineer uh, at the time, the general manager of the Nuggets, but former uh, assistant to Commissioner Walter Kennedy. Um, so he had experience and contacts within the NBA, and uh, Carl was as good a negotiator on matters uh, such as these, complex matters, as uh, anyone I ever ran into. And we saw, not just in the city, but in surrounding communities in the suburbs, people who are at best casual fans become immersed in the NBA playoffs this year and pay attention as a hardcore fan would pay attention. Uh, There wasn't any such thing as a casual Nuggets fan. Whether it was... uh, out here in Englewood or in Highlands Ranch or as far south as Colorado Springs and maybe further south than that. The Nuggets became a regional team, not just Denver's team. Uh, Something the Broncos didn't even exist. Yeah, Yeah, predates all of it. But but I I think that the the Broncos, uh, almost from the beginning, though they weren't very good, had a regional following the Avalanche, in winning three Stanley Cups, became popular in regions outside of Denver. Uh, but I think the Nuggets always had more of a connection to not only the city but surrounding communities and uh, statewide, even outside the state of Colorado. Uh, it, I, I was watching Christian Brown celebrate today with the belt and uh, the shirt off. Yeah. And, uh, and I was thinking uh, Lawrence, Kansas to Denver, Colorado, but Kansas is a regional team. At least it's basketball team mm-hmm. is. And he joins the Nuggets team that wins its first championship in his rookie year and finds that the Nuggets are every bit as much of a regional team as champions as the champion Jayhawks were last year in the early days of spring. I I still am so impressed with someone who wins championships in consecutive years on two different levels. And it hasn't happened obviously to many people when you're talking about more of a contribution to Kansas, and, but and, it it's yeah. a rare thing. Uh, and he's not a bench warmer. I mean, he's a part of the rotation. By the end of the year, last game of the year, he played 24 minutes out of the 48. And I, I think he's he's one guy who probably isn't going anywhere. I think he's one guy who would like to play his entire career here in Denver. And I think there are a few nuggets like that. Uh, Aaron Gordon won't have that distinction when his career ends, but I imagine Aaron Gordon wants to stay here for the rest of his playing career. At least uh, as long as Nikola Jokic is here, yeah, one would think. I, I would think so. And, uh, you know, that's a question. Uh, again, uh, Jokic's contract expires in the summer of 2027. This is four years away. We will get 
I think, Nikola Jokic for those four years. I do, too. Beyond that, anybody's guess, but four years is a long time. Circumstances mm-hmm. can change uh, for the better, and unfortunately, as we've found out, if we study sports history with champions of the past, long-term can bring comedowns and disappointment when you aren't able to provide an encore. But in this case, I I think for today, people are able to celebrate this championship because it was such a long time coming. Yeah, I mean, I think that you worry about the future when it comes. When it happens once in, in 56 seasons, you better not be thinking about your next one already. Now, that that's Calvin Booth's job. <laughs> you know, that, there's certain people whose job that is. But for the most part, uh, you know, no. For, for fans, look, enjoy in the moment what you have in the moment because uh, just ask the Miami Heat, who come up short this time, who came up short in the conference finals a year ago, Will they be right back at it next season? Uh, maybe, maybe not. They were an eight seed. Uh, there's no guarantee. I think of they're that. a better team. Than I, that. I do too. But but things happen. Right. And, well, and that's well, certainly, the trick. Certainly. And uh, again, there's so much with the Eastern Conference. So much change. Whether they be coaching changes, personnel changes, possibly, probably, in some cases, personnel changes. Uh, even among some of the premier teams. Uh, that's one of the interesting things now. The the NBA really has an offseason that's worth paying attention to, and sometimes the the championships feel almost inevitable, and the offseasons are more dramatic, more newsworthy mm-hmm. sometimes than the regular season. I mean, the year that LeBron became a free agent for the first time and announced that uh, right. he was taking his talents to – South Beach. And make of that what you will, but the truth no, is that, it that was out. a bigger story than any NBA basketball story. And part of the reason is because the one the player's movement can be that impactful. Right. Obviously, the Miami Heat right. won yeah. titles because of it. Well, uh, they didn't win right away, but they were in four and they won two. And that, that in itself should be a lesson uh, to people who are thinking about, you know, more than <laughs> one, that the Miami Heat got two far less than they had been promised. And they say they had been promised. The fans had been promised by LeBron and company. And they probably thought they were doing well to win two out of four. Uh, If the nuggets get a second one within the next three years, I think that's worthy of uh, (laughs) uh, the kind of recognition that's only reversed for uh, a reserve for the top 15, 20 teams in the history of the league over over a stretch of time. If yeah, you win two and four years in this day and age. Especially now, right. You're a hell in of the, a team. In the free agency period of the free agency era of the NBA, which uh, is not comparatively that much of the NBA history, certainly not as it exists now. It's a totally different landscape. Look at uh, what Golden State did. I mean, uh, that was four and eight years, right. if I'm not mistaken. People thought that was dynastic. Right. It, by by any other measurement, really, in modern last basketball, time I looked, two is, out of four is as good as four out of eight. Uh, the percentages are the same. I mean, four is different, but uh, but I get the point. And it, you, you say you were to win two out of three or anything like that. Yeah, the idea of of these dynasties you think about it, and when we think about it in the NBA, you really think about the Lakers and the Celtics, the '80s, or the Bulls uh, to a certain extent as well. 
Well, those were sort of different circumstances. Not only did each of them have you know truly all-time greats, but free agency era rules were very different. And uh, that, that changed things. Now, it wasn't that there wasn't any possibility to move players from at, at all, but it, it was a different set of circumstances. And so now when you, when you look at the way things go, it, it's just not nearly as easy to run things back. And, and you're exactly right. When you talk about the Warriors, and they won in 2014-2015, then uh, again, after bouncing back from the Cavaliers' loss, they, otherwise they could have won four in a row. But then they went twice in a row, uh, and then the next three years is different. Someone else, and then the Warriors win it again. Yeah. So I mean, right. it's you know, it's it's it over a chunk of time. The Miami Heat, the last uh, beside prior to the Warriors, are the last back-to-back winners. Of course, as we talked hey, about fifteen there, years ago with, with if, LeBron. If you had told uh, Riley Spolstra, uh, Udonis Haslam, <laughs> six finals in fifteen years, they take that, even if they only won two of them. Unquestionably, unquestionably. And, and in, in the Heat's case, you know, when they look at it, they won their first one in the 2005-2006 uh, season. And then the, the two then. So in they won three in seven seasons. That's pretty good. You know, it's going uh, to be hard to, to top that sort of thing. And, and so, yeah, you look at those, uh, you know, Lakers, Bulls, I get it. But for the Nuggets, I just don't think you worry about that at this stage. Uh, you enjoy it. I think Nuggets fans enjoy it this is something that uh, obviously does not come around very often and and uh, if you'd like the history lesson and i understand the situation changed and the nuggets uh, roster is in a different spot but you know toronto won a few years back yeah uh, toronto's a ways away from it in another one well and then Kawhi left mm-hmm. I, and 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 again the nuggets aren't in that situation the Milwaukee bucks window is open but look what happened with Milwaukee Bucks, who were the best team in the league, who had the best record well, in the league. You get a bad break at the wrong time. Giannis gets hurt, misses, a, you know. Yeah, but it, run into they're, a they're also a, a flawed team in the sense that they're they're getting older now. And I, I don't know that you see draft picks emerging. And as time goes on, Giannis draft may picks that you need have. You more. Up. Right, right, right. You may need more than what they have now in Giannis. And, of course, they have a new coach who's never been a head coach before. Uh, He's deserving of an opportunity, to be sure. But that's part of the change I'm talking about in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Boston stayed the same, but uh, probably with some reservations. Uh, I know Brad Stevens is the only vote that counts, and he loves Joe Missoula. But I think probably within the organization, uh, there was some thought given of it. Uh, at least when it was three games to none in the Eastern Conference Finals, thought was given to dismissing Joe Mazzula. Sure. Now, Joe Mazzula probably saved his job uh, and made it easier for Brad Stevens to bring him back when the Celtics won three in a row, even though they did lose game seven, the winning of three games in a row and coming back from three games down. It'd be like, you know, the Nuggets weren't going to fire Dan Issel because they lost to the Utah Jazz in 1994, right. four games to three. Because they're down 3-0. They'd already won three straight and become the first eight seed to beat a one seed. But I thought it was more impressive, though they didn't win the series, that they beat the Utah Jazz three times in a row, too. The only difference was it was best of seven, not best of five. The Nuggets end up getting their win to close things out. If you are injured, you need a win as well. That's why we tell you to call our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com. The phone number is 720-845-7001. Hire the winner. Their personal injury attorneys 
have years of experience fighting and winning for their clients. So when you're injured, they'll push for you to get your maximum recovery, whether that's by settlement or by trial. Locations all over the Front Range for Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, the Denver Tech Center, Colorado Springs, and even up north in Cheyenne. That personal injury office is right here where we are at Miley Sports and the DTC. So don't hire someone off a billboard. Get someone who you know will get the win. Fight and fight for you while doing it. Burnham Law is the place. BurnhamLaw.com is the website. 720-845-7001 is the number. The Denver Nuggets get uh, reportedly to pass by half a million people when you consider lining the streets, Civic Center Park, and everything else. Uh, This championship feels to be almost, if not the most unlikely in Denver history, certainly has to be among them. We'll try to compare and contrast next on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy, it's hard to feel as if this this Nuggets championship was a shock because about, you know, I don't know, late December, the the Nuggets took control of the Western Conference and never really let it go. They were the best team in the conference. They They were so far ahead by the end. They could put it in cruise control in the last couple weeks of the regular season, which may ended up contributing to their championship because we saw a Heat team that had to go the hard way and with their stars looked fatigued. And uh, the Nuggets did not necessarily have that disadvantage. Fatigue did not appear to be a significant issue for the Nuggets at any point during the playoffs. Of course, it helps when you only lose four games. But at, at the same time, it, it still feels as if this was unlikely all the way up until, to my mind, I, I, I was confident prior to when the matchup came around and it was Miami instead of Boston because I felt very comfortable. I thought Boston might be a problematic matchup. I thought Miami was a, a perfect matchup for the Nuggets, a nightmare matchup for Miami. After the very first game, I, I felt the die was cast. But it still feels a little bit, I, I can't tell you how many people I've run into who are still shocked and amazed that the Denver Nuggets won the NBA title. Yeah, um, I, I I'm not sure I travel in in those circles uh, exactly. You're talking I, about I know the nervous how, types that were, how uh, nervous people were in watching the games. Yes, uh, I I I think though if you pulled back on that just a little bit, uh, you know it, it it was kind of born out of 46 previous years. NBA years of waiting for the other shoe to drop and uh, with this team it never did now I I will say in game four when Jokic uh, twisted his foot I think more than rolled his ankle to, it looked like he twisted his foot you, you get you start to get nervous because you're saying the longer this series goes the greater the chance that something like that will happen and even if it isn't a debilitating Injury, it might affect the game right. that you otherwise would have won. Extends the series. And then strange uh, things happen. Strange things happen. The series get longer. 
Uh, Miami's a team that never, ever showed any signs of resignation, although I think deep down there was a realization after four games that they couldn't win the series. But there was enough professionalism but in that they team were that they so were so professional and so competitive. And I look at Kyle Lowry at 38 years old. He's not any longer a lead guard who can play 35 minutes a night, but boy, is he competitive. And the last couple of games showed that. And uh, I, I thought Spolster used him beautifully. You didn't want to start him because that's given him six, eight minutes early in the game that aren't that impactful. Right. And you're really wasting him. I, I think if you're looking to play 30 minutes, you want to play 30 of the last 42 rather than 30 of the first 42. Right. And so I, I think the team was professional and competitive enough to make a 4-1 series, one in which you could look back and and see. And uh, I, I did this uh, the other day, but I think it was in the morning, that, uh, you know, a lot of the things that went on in the fourth quarter uh, – Yes, were the Nuggets in trouble in fourth quarters? Uh, certainly that's true. But it was also true that in game one, they closed the last nine minutes and two seconds, 20 to 19. That was the game that concerned Michael Malone so much because they had, quote unquote, collapsed in the fourth right, quarter. Right. And he was all concerned that uh, that, that was the hallmark of, of in his mind, of game one, and that Miami in the first three quarters had just missed uh, a lot of easy shots that they'd ordinarily make. And uh, it, 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 Miami played exceedingly well, and the Nuggets outscored them in the last nine minutes, two seconds of the game. Game two, the one they lost, they actually closed the last three minutes, 13 seconds of the game, 13 to four. Uh, game three, they closed the last three minutes, 34 seconds, 12 to 11. And in game four, they closed the last 8.25 at 22 to 14. And game five, they were behind with a minute and a half to go and one by five. There you have it. The, the variation of the Nuggets' they were offensive ability. fourth quarter team yeah, in the series, they contrary were. to popular belief. Uh, they, they were efficient when it came to their defense. There are multiple different ways of, of defending teams. Part of it is just making sure that the other team has tough shots to make. And, and forcing them into tough shots. We talked about the competitiveness. You just mentioned it with Kyle Lowry. Jimmy Butler, who had 21 in that elimination game to lead the Heat. But Lowry and Butler, the, the two elder statesmen, but certainly not finished by any stretch of the imagination. But they did combine, despite the fact they got to 33 points and uh, 12 rebounds and nine assists and five steals between the pair of them. But they shot nine for 31. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and that's, that's right. what does you in, whereas as the, the Nuggets have a, a remarkable amount of diversity in their scoring. I mean, here, here you go in the playoffs. When they made more than 10 threes, they went five and one. When they shot below 30% from three, they went four and oh, because they had multiple different ways to score and to get things done. And, and a lot of that is the advantage of having a, a weapon like Jokic, who is, is basically, well, we've even seen it pretty close to it, not much different than Steph Curry. Just a few steps in from the half line, ask Anthony Davis. Uh, he's a threat, and and that changes the game dramatically. But at the same time, Jokic's ability to read where the open man is and 
the Nuggets players' ability at time to now, I think, a, a sophistication that has come along with familiarity with each other. Uh, coaching deserves some of the credit as well. By and large, the Nuggets now, and I would say this, we were talking about this last year. You wouldn't say that. I think the Nuggets take a handful. And when I say a handful, I mean maybe a half dozen shots a game in which you go, hmm, that's a bad shot. But I don't know if it's more than a half dozen a game on average. And that, oh, that's they, across the whole team. Selection the team's so selection is outstanding. And, uh, and as a result, they end up scoring. When, when certain shots aren't falling, they find other places on the floor to get it to fall. Well, the only time Nikola Jokic got upset in this series was during the third quarter of game five uh, in the huddle, uh, screaming at his teammates and basically telling them to stop on four on three shooting threes. They, they, at that point, had taken more threes than probably they should have taken. For the game, They a third of their shots were three. I don't think Nikola Jokic minded the fact that they only made five. What he did mind was the fact that they weren't reading the game very intelligently. It was a low-scoring game, and easy twos were virtually as valuable as threes that on a four-on-three I'm sorry, it isn't the best shot. Right. Now, did they make one or two even the other night when they had a numerical advantage? Uh, Porter ran into one. The one he made, he kind of ran into, and it was early in the shot clock, kind of in transition. Okay, but Jokic was upset that they were consistently taking advantage of, of the Heat, who actually played better transition defense than any of the other Nugget opponents, but in odd man situations, the Nuggets were settling for threes. 28 of their 84 shots during the game were threes, and he was upset with that. Probably wasn't thrilled about the foul shooting either, but you can't really yell at guys for missing free throws. No. You can yell at guys for uh, consistently on four on threes, three on twos, settling for three-pointers. That you can yell at them for, go to the basket, and, and get an easy two, and even if you get fouled, uh, well, they made 56.5% of their free throws. So at least they were better than 50-50 to make the foul shot uh, or or the foul shots. They they were usually making or not. And I, th- I think Gordon might have missed two, two out of two at one point. But most of the time it was make the first, miss the second. As they were going 13 for uh, 23. But uh, other than taking some threes that were a little quick and a little rushed in game five again i i you're right i think count on one hand the number of bad shots they took let's just say in a typical playoff game and there were 20 of them this year i i didn't count certainly not in the wins i didn't count more than maybe on average three or four where you're saying hey that wasn't the best shot they could have gotten they settled there that's the euphemism now for taking a bad shot that you settle for a shot. Right. right. Really means back in the old days, it meant you, you, just you took, a bad, took a bad shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's semantics, but exactly. You're exactly right. It ends up being a, uh, a differentiator can I give, between what the nuggets have done in the past and what they did this can year. Can I give you an announcing uh, mistake that happens all the time? And I hate it. Yeah. When you come down, the floor and you miss a shot or you get fouled 
even if you miss the free throws, it is not an empty possession. An empty possession right. happens when you turn the ball over and you get no shots at the basket from the field or from the foul line. Agreed completely. That is an empty possession. You put a foul on the other team. That's not empty. When a team misses three or four shots, announcers, even some of the best, are saying, well, they've had three or four straight empty possessions. Just because no, you don't score <laughs> exactly. doesn't mean it's empty. Right. A missed shot is better than a turnover. Yes. It's a scoreless possession. Yes. Not empty. Empty is different because if you've still done some damage. It's the same quibble I have with announcers who say rather than the game is scoreless, that there is no score in the game. And my reaction to that is, what, you mean to tell me they're not keeping score today? Yeah, yeah. See, nothing I, to nothing is a score. I have a, yeah, that's true. I have a couple like that too. My 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 mine is the uh, I could care less. Pet that's the one peeves. that drives me nuts. Pet peeves, I could right. care less when people say that. No, well, I that means you actually could, care. Could right? Care. Yeah, you couldn't care less. If you, if you could care less, that means you care, which is the opposite of what you're trying to say. You couldn't care less. That one drives me bonkers. But uh, you know what are you going to do? The situation here for the Nuggets is really remarkable. And when you look at the way that this team is constructed, and I guess, you know, we can afford to to look ahead uh, maybe a little bit. What did the Nuggets do, Sandy, in this particular season that is sustainable? And what did they do in this season that might not be sustainable? We'll take a look at that. We also want your opinions. Call and text line 303-831-1340. Want to know what you think? Want to know your experiences? Were you out at the the parade and the celebration today? What did you think? Are you the moron who threw a beer can that hit Nicole Jokic's wife in the face? If so, please call in because I have some choice words for you. We'll be back on My Life Sports. Really wanna know your name. She got the mm, white dress when she's wearing less. Man, you know that she drives me crazy. The mm, brown eyes, beautiful smile. You know I love what you need to do. Your thing.